Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. My name is Pam, and this is week two of Parenting and the Five Love Languages of Children. Good parenting is not treating every child the same, but when dealing with kids, we need to know that every child is an individual that needs to be treated as an individual. If you have siblings growing up, there were times where somebody said in your house, that's not fair. Kids are very concerned about what is fair. Very concerned about what is fair. And they are quick to tell you when they feel like something is not fair. There is no fairness in some areas of parenting because their love languages affect how they react to different things. And if you have a child who is very emotionally over the top whenever something happens to empty their emotional tank, and we're gonna refresh that in a minute, it really can be the worst thing in the world to them. Have you ever heard a kid say that? This is the worst. It's not necessarily that they would react that way if they had a full emotional tank or love tank but at that moment when they do not feel loved, it does seem like it is the worst to them. So last week we talked about the five love languages. Uh, we did not go over what they were. We just did a quick mention and skipped, and we're gonna try to get through all five of them this week. I hope we can do that. And again, the most important thing that we need to realize is every child may have a different love language, but every child needs all five of the love languages to be communicated to them. They need to experience those. But last week I brought in a jar and I, um, I use stones of different sizes to example that if it's your primary love language, it goes farther in filling that emotional tank that, that you have whether you're an adult or whether you're a child, whether you're a boy, whether you're a girl, none of that really matters. These five love languages, we took the test last week to find out what our primary love language was, and we're gonna work over the next couple of weeks and probably the few weeks after that in finding out the children that are in our lives what their primary love language is. Because if you know what a child's primary love language is, the one that speaks the loudest to them, it will be easier for you to fill that emotional tank that they need. And when their tank is full, they're better behaved. They feel loved more so than if they don't have that full emotional tank. And they, I hate to say become a better person, but honestly that really has a lot to do with, especially in those formative years. If they're primary love language is physical touch and they grow up in a household where it's where parents never hug them or kiss them it's going to be really hard for that child to feel like their parents love them and that's going to be a hard thing that they're going to have to overcome in their adult life so without any further 
Uh, I want to get into, um, okay, I found this great scripture in the Amplified Bible. Colossians 3.21 in the Amplified Version. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference, but treat them tenderly with loving kindness so they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. Colossians 3.21 Wow, that is a whole lot of damage you can do to a child. I remember maybe once or twice in my life I have heard a um, spouse speak to a husband. The scripture says, fathers provoke not your children to wrath. <laughs> but when you realize the emotional damage that you can do to a child, if their primary love language is words of affirmation, and you're always speaking to them in an irritated and angry tone, again, that damage can really leave a lasting mark. And working in children's ministry for so many years, I have seen some children that just had so much promise, but they could just never quite get over something that had happened in their childhood and so many times i think it wasn't that they had bad parents it wasn't that they didn't have parents that didn't love them we have seen those cases too mm -hmm. but sometimes it's just because the parent didn't know how to express to the child that they did love them so an overview of each of the types of love languages now uh the i did different with the handouts this week and we're going to talk about this handy little um, pamphlet in a minute but first of all uh we're going to talk about them and this is in a different order physical touch um hugs and kisses are the most common way of speaking this love language but there are other ways too a dad tosses his year-old son in the air. He spins his seven-year-old daughter round and round. A mom reads a story with a three-year-old on her lap. Um, a teacher uh, gives a side squeeze to a kid. Or you have a child that whenever they come up to you, they might come up behind your shoulder and they're going to put their hand on your shoulder. They're reaching out to touch you because that's their primary love language. For children who understand this love language, physical touch will communicate love more deeply than the words I love you or giving a present or fixing a bicycle or spending time with them. They receive love in all of the languages, but for them, this one has the clearest and loudest voice. Without those hugs and those kisses and the pats on the back and other physical expressions of love, their love tanks will remain less than full. My husband's primary love language even now is physical touch, and I would guess that that has been his his whole life because his mom talks about when he was a boy, even a baby, in church what he loved to do was he loved to lay across her lap and let her rub his back. That was what he would do. Now, he was the middle. He had two older brothers and two younger sisters. But he was always um, doing that type of thing where he just wanted her to rub his back or one of the siblings, that kind of thing, because physical touch was how he felt loved. Words of affirmation. 
In communication, words are powerful. Words of affection and endearment. Words of praise and encouragement. You really cannot praise a child too much. Words that give positive guidance all say, I care about you. Words are like gentle, warm rain falling on the soul. I totally copy and pasted that line because I thought it was so great. <laughs> they nurture the child's inner sense of worth and security. Even though such words are quickly said, they are not soon forgotten. A child reaps benefits of affirming words for a lifetime. Stop right now and think about, can you think of a time when you had someone say something very kind to you? Maybe you remember that person only because of whatever it was that they said to you. They were using words of affirmation and it left a place, a mark on your spirit. What about quality time? This is not my love language. I can spend days by myself. <laughs> Quality time is focused attention. It means giving a child your undivided attention. Quality time is a parent's gift of presence to a child. It conveys this message. It says, you are important. I like being with you. It makes the child feel he is the most important person in the world to those parents or to that parent. He feels truly loved because he has his parent all to himself. Mm -hmm. Quality time is focused time. It doesn't mean you're the only two people in the room, but you and I are going to sit down and we're going to work this puzzle together and the other kids are over there watching their TV show or doing their homework, but you and I are here working this puzzle together to a child whose love language is quality time. They're going to go to bed that night and think about how great it was to sit at the table with mom or with Uncle Bill and work this puzzle because it did so much to fill their emotional love tank. When you spend quality time with children, you need to go to their physical or emotional level of development, meaning you're not working a thousand-piece puzzle with a four-year-old. <laughs> the most important factor in quality time has nothing to do with the event itself, but that you're doing something together and being together. If quality time is your chi child's primary love language, and we talked about this last week, that even the children that we see in Sunday school or in your classroom or the children that are around us, nieces, nephews, it doesn't have to be just your particular child, but the children that are in your world, if you will work to express these love languages to them and figure out what their primary love language is, you will become the favorite aunt. You will be the cool teacher. You will be because you're the one who's making that child feel loved. It is definitely, definitely, definitely worth the time. And I want to read this statement to you. If quality time is your primary love language, you can be sure of this. Without a sufficient supply of quality time and focused attention, your child will experience a gnawing uneasiness that his parents do not really love him. No parent wants to convey that to their child. But if that's the, thank goodness I did not have a child whose primary love language was quality time. Because I need my own time. I need my alone space. I, I used to want four children. Now I know there's a reason why I only had one child. 
Now, I have a whole bunch of kids I can come on Sundays and Wednesdays and love on and spend time with, but then whenever I go home, I'm totally okay to be at home by myself without, without anybody else around. So, all right, I'm gonna move on to gifts. So gifts is, I think, probably the most misunderstood of the love languages because we tend to view it as materialism but that's not really what gifts are about. Giving and receiving of gifts can be a powerful expression of love uh, at the time they are given and often extending into later years, that years later you would still be remembered for that gift. The most meaningful gifts become symbols of love and those that truly convey love are part of a love language. In the book, they use this great story about a little girl, and they said, how do you know that your parents love you? And she said, oh, I can show you. And she took them to her room and said, my parents brought me back this when they went on vacation. My mom went so-and-so for work, and she brought me back this. And all around her room, she had set these little gifts in a place of honor. So when she's laying in bed at night, she's looking at these gifts that maybe were very inexpensive, maybe something just picked up at the airport or a sand, a shell off of the beach, but something that the parent brought back and gave to her that said to her, my parents really love me. Um, the most meaningful gifts become a symbol of love. I just read that. Most children respond positively to gifts. Most all kids do, but for some receiving gifts is that primary love language. You might think that this is so for all children, judging from the way that they beg for things. And it is true that all children and adults want to have more and more. But those whose language of love is receiving gifts will respond differently when they get their gift. Remember for them, this is love's loudest voice. Acts of service. Some people speak acts of service as their primary love language. If service is your child's primary love language, your acts of service will communicate most deeply that you love them. When the child asks you to uh, fix their scooter or to sew their doll's dress, they're not merely wanting to get something done. They're asking you for emotional love. If the primary love language is acts of service, it doesn't mean that you have to jump at every request, but it does mean you should be sensitive to those requests and recognize that your response will either help fill the child's love tank or puncture the tank. Each request calls for a thoughtful and loving response. So even if they're asking you to do something that you can't do for them right now, it can say, Right now, I have to go to the store, but how about we do that tonight after dinner? And you can take care of it at that point so that they know that you're not saying, you're not important to me, you're just helping them to understand that sometimes there are other things that need to be taken care of. So, how do I find my child's love language? Well, I gave you this little handout to help. I just found this online and it, uh, it was all printed up nice and neat. Even has the books for reference on the back. So um, the quiz is something that you can sit down with your child. Now your child's gonna have to be a little bit older to do this, maybe a six or seven year old, but definitely that eight to 12 year old, you should be able to get good answers from them. So you have um, 
one, give me a hug or you are terrific. Which one of those is your child going to respond better to? They're saying, just ask the child. Would you rather give me, would you rather that I gave you a hug or would you rather me say, you are so terrific and awesome? And the child's going to tell you because children will tell you what they really think. And the child's going to tell you and then you can mark that and kind of work your way through that. And as you go through here, uh, it will help you to determine what their primary love language is. Typically, you will see one love language that is higher than the rest. And then there will normally be some one that's in second place. I have seen a couple of quizzes where there was one that was way high, way high above the others, and then everything else was lower, probably because that child's emotional love tank, actually it was a teenager, that teenager's love tank was probably empty at the time. So everything that spoke to them about that love language, that's really what they were reaching for. But you will also think that there are some things that that can cross over we're going to talk about that um, and then I'm going to ask you for a few scenarios and we're going to talk about in one scenario how many different love languages can we use that to uh, to speak to a child there's a great suggestion in the book that I really recommend now if you're dealing with uh, several children it's probably going to be impractical Candace you're not gonna be able to do this in your classroom so sorry but uh, for your individual children, I think it's such a great suggestion and totally worth it. <coughs> Take a few weeks and spend one week at least focused on a love language. So this week I'm going to focus on physical touch. So every morning when I wake my son up, I am going to give, I'm going to wake him up with a hug and some snuggles in bed. Oh, it's time to get up. We're going to get up. And I'm going to make sure that throughout the day that I intentionally am patting them on the back and saying, okay, you need to go ahead and get your homework done. Or thank you so much for helping me with dinner. And I'm going to make sure that I am giving him hugs and kisses and pats on the back and I'm um, not going to rub his feet, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I remember um, maybe rubbing his feet. Maybe that was someone was telling me about. That's what it was. Anyway, sorry. There was a rabbit trail right there. You guys didn't see it, but my ooh shiny <laughs> caught it, and it circled me back to a conversation that I was having earlier. So, uh, but do one love language for a week to 10 days and see how your child acts and kind of make note about that and then transition to another one of the love languages and make notes, you know, keep a little journal. It doesn't have to be detailed, but like if your child's primary love language is not quality time and you're trying to spend quality, you're trying to spend like, you know, an hour several times a week with your kid, by the end of that week, they're going to be like, I just need my own space. Dude, mom, get out of my room. Can I just, can I go play outside? You know, they're going to be trying to get away from you if that is not their primary love language. However, if they're like, oh, you want to move in my room with me, then you might be onto something. You might have found what their primary love language is. So I thought it was such a neat idea and investment of time into learning who your child is is always going to bring amazing, incredible dividends. 
And being intentional about learning ways to speak all five love languages, again, is going to go far in helping you to become fluent in them. And that is something that we want to do, not just with our children, but those love languages. Okay, your parents have a love language. The people that you work with, they call them um, language of appreciation. I think it's, it's languages of appreciation in the workplace or something like that. But we all have this love language. And so my, my love language, my emotional tank is going to be filled. If it's, if it's words of affirmation, then everyone who says something nice to me throughout the course of the day is helping to fill my emotional tank. It's different than a spousal love. It's different than the, the parent-child uh, relationship. But we do have this relationship with everyone that's in our world. Each love language is needed to make well-rounded individuals. One language might be, let me check my time and, oh, I'm doing okay, I think. Uh, one language might be primary and get to that full emotional tank more quickly, but the tank does get filled when all of them are present. And if you can imagine a, a heart that is a puzzle, okay, and in that puzzle there's five pieces to that heart. All five pieces are probably different sizes. One of those pieces is going to be maybe two-thirds of that heart or maybe a half of that heart. And that's going to be their primary love language. But all five pieces are needed to complete that heart for that child or that emotional love tank. Uh, we do need to become fluent in all of the languages. And again, not just for our child's emotional tank, but also so our children will become fluent and learning to speak all of those. It shouldn't be awkward for, um, for a hug between a, a mother and a son or a daughter and a dad. But so many times, especially if that's something that like the parent's not comfortable with and they don't push out of their comfort zone to learn that language, not only is it gonna be uncomfortable for dad to hug his daughter, but then it's gonna be uncomfortable for the daughter to hug because that's an experience that she never had. And so that's why we need to be intentional with us. Is it gonna put us out of our comfort zone? Yes, it is. That is not a bad thing. We need to push out of our comfort zone and learn these five languages and be intentional about speaking them to our children because then our children will be fluent in all of them. So if your son's least love language is physical touch, but he marries someone whose primary love language is physical touch, you want that to be something that he has experience with and that he's going to be able to transition to and be able to speak that language in a fluent capacity. Um, there are different ways to say, I love you. And it's not just with the words, it's not just with actions, it's using all of the love languages. And we all need that knowledge, again, to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. So, I have another scripture. I got this from the Living Bible Translation. It's good. 
<laughs> What's that? I am so excited. I, um, okay, don't judge me for this. It is on record, but it's okay. So there was this, I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't want it on the recording. I mean, a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, preacher, minister. You all would know who he is. He's such a great preacher. And he was doing this minister session one time. And he had said something about someone was telling him, you know, what a great preacher he was and like, you know, trying to build him up. And he said, you know, really all I do is figure out what I want to say. And then I just go find a version in the Bible that tells them that says that. And that's what I preach. And he was totally being facetious. He was just making this joke, but it, it left a mark on me, not because of what, it, but because someone who is such a great and incredible preacher could say, you know what, it, it's okay to enjoy life. It's okay to enjoy living. And there's, uh, I am a King James Version Bible person from my head to my toes. Um, I do like the New King James Version of the Bible, and I do use that. And I have read through other versions of the Bible, and I use other versions of the Bible. But sometimes having the these and the thous and the those, and I have to stop and go back and say, okay, so that was a negative and that was a negative, so that makes that a positive statement. And this, I think, me, well, I don't know. And then I have to go, you know, if, if I have to break it down. So... This breaks it down for us. This is from Ephesians 6, 4. And now a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful, but rather bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. That's a great scripture. Yeah. Ephesians 6, 4, which I'm pretty sure is the fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So that's what it says on the King James. But the Living Bible translation gets a little more, you know, into the cracks as it were. So I enjoy that. All right. Making it work for you. So we've got these five love languages. Okay. And we've got this handy dandy little handout here. Lovely, lovely. So, are you ready? All right, love languages for kids, giving gifts. For children who feel loved by gifts, it's more the thought behind the gifts than the actual gifts themselves, which mean they don't have to be expensive. They don't have to be exotic. Uh, it could seriously be a beautiful rock that you picked up while you were outside you know, mowing grass, who knows, but it's the thought of a gift. So, yes, go ahead, share. Peter, I got you this rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. school bring me rocks from the playground all the time, and they think it's the most equipless thing ever. That's funny. And I try to go, oh, it's so cool. I'm just going to leave it here on my desk. <laughs> okay, so I may, this is why I work in children's ministry, I may have in the last couple of weeks, uh, we had some river rock delivered to the house. I, I like the look of it, especially whenever it's wet and that. And so Mark was uh, putting some of it out and I found the prettiest, the prettiest river rock. And it's got like this quartz and it's like the pink and it's beautiful. And I may have picked it up out of the pathway and it's like sitting on our grill. So I see it like whenever I go in and out of the house, I'm like, it's so pretty. So I'm 40 some years old and 
collecting rocks. But anyway, it's really pretty. It's maybe a little shiny. So I like shiny things. Uh, this is funny, but yeah, I need to take off my glasses so I can read this. Okay, so to do giving gifts, take time and effort to think of a meaningful gift to give. Keep special occasions in mind and change it up between large and small gifts. So if your child's love language is giving gifts, are you going to get them a Valentine on Friday? Yes, you're going to get them a Valentine on Friday. Does it have to be an elaborate dozen roses? No, it could be one of those little dollar boxes of chocolates. It's totally cool. But if that's their primary love language, by the way, if you have kids, get your kids something for Valentine's Day. Get them just some little dollar thing or whatever that says, I love you. And even if it's not their primary love language, who doesn't love gifts? All right, so um, the negative in this. Be haphazard in your gift choice. Mistake this love language for materialism. We talked about that. Or use gifts in place of the other four love languages. And uh, the book stresses that. I can totally see how that is true. That if your child's primary get love language is their primary thing, then you could really just be like, I don't need to spend time with you because I know your language is gifts. Um, I'm, I don't have to, I don't have to hug you. Uh, I don't need, I can just kind of substitute because really when you get down to it, gifts is the easiest one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't have to put time into it. I don't have to invest any of myself into it. I'm just going to get the gift and go along. So ways to express love in this language and it goes down through here. I love this little thing. I just copied these off of, hold on, it's on here somewhere, mommyoverwork.com. This little website here, I left it here. But these little charts were on, so I just grabbed them and put them into this little handout. And uh, I love my little gas tank that I found down here, <laughs> my little emotional tank. This is you. You're the person that needs to fill their tank to full. This is you. And um, so let's talk about words of affirmation. <laughs> All right, so praise your child, be aware, listen. Words of affirmation and listening. Well, but you need to be listening for what the child is saying to you. So it's going to give you positives. It's going to give you negatives. The negatives are going to be things that, that we might tend to do and thinking that we're giving them words of affirmation. Saying, I love you. Make a thank you card. I love that. Write a list of three things that you find awesome about your kid. And you should tell your kids that they're awesome because every kid is awesome. Every kid has great qualities that as parents we're trying to nurture, that we're trying to encourage. This isn't about focusing on the negative. Are there going to be times of discipline? Well, yeah, there absolutely will be. But if you have to discipline a child who has a full emotional tank, they're going to behave better because of the discipline. And you're also going to have to discipline them less. So this is like, have you ever heard the pastor talk about the praise sandwich? You guys know about this? <laughs> so it's really important. Okay, big life lesson right here. I can't take any credit for it. It's all pastor. Everything intelligent I ever learned, I feel like, came from him or some preacher. Um, 
or John Maxwell. I got a lot of good stuff from John Maxwell. Bread. I'm going to say bologna. <laughs> You'll know why in a minute. And bread, okay? So you need to praise at the beginning and the ending. So it is, Susie, you do such a good job. Every time you turn in your test, you write your name on your paper. I never have to go back and find out whose paper yours is. But you're not allowed to give the answers to Jimmy. He's going to have to learn this himself. But thank you so much for being so thoughtful and wanting to help him on the test. So I've given a praise here, and then I've corrected, and then I've given praise there. And so basically what I've done is I've given two for that one negative. I needed to tell her that she can't cheat. <laughs> but I put it in nice words. And I, I gave her, oh, you, you're doing a good job here and you're doing a good job here. So with our kids, whenever we are affirming good behaviors, whenever we're telling them what they're doing right, whenever we are hugging them and spending quality time with them and we're doing all of that stuff, then whenever correction comes, the child isn't questioning whether my mom loves me. The question isn't, oh, Uncle Jimmy never says anything nice to me. It's just, oh, yeah, well, I knew that was wrong when I did it, but so-and-so dared me, so I did it anyway. Do you know what I mean? It helps the child to be able to see more clearly, but if a child has an empty emotional tank, then whenever you're correcting them, it's like putting a hole in that tank. It can really damage them. And so that's why it's so important to know what their primary love language is and get all of those languages into their life. But do you know what your primary love language is? And we talked about this a little bit last week. That tends to be how we communicate. So if quality time is not mine and it's not, if my husband's is quality time, I'm really going to have to stretch myself and make sure that I go out of my way to have quality time with him because that's something that I don't need. That's something that, well, it doesn't make me feel loved. I don't care. I'll be here by myself. It's all right. If you, if you, hey, if I can go to the store by myself, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, well, if I had four kids, I'd probably really be hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to do something to help fill your wife's emotional tank, I just gave you a gift right there. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Um, giving gifts, words of affirmation, acts of service. And I need to check my time. Yeah, it's 739. All right. So um, I want to jump out, and then we're going to jump back into this little uh, form. But work on this with your kids. But again, I had said this last week too, observe your kids. Observe how they interact with other people and especially other kids. If you've got a little guy that is always running up and patting his buddy on the back, if he's hugging grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle and the usher at the door when you come in, 
physical touch is probably his primary love language. You can observe kids and kind of see that as if they're like, oh, so-and-so's awesome. He's the coolest thing ever. Oh, he always has. Oh, he always does. Oh, he's all then that's probably giving you an indication that words of affirmation is their love language. Kids act out in the way that makes them feel most loved. That little girl that brings you the flower out of the field, the kids that are bringing you the rocks, gifts might be their primary love language, but it could also be acts of service because sometimes those can cross over. So... Um, there's lots and lots of great ideas on this little um, on this little sheet here, and I love that they give you so many creative ideas for that. But let's talk about this. What if you, on a Friday night, decide that you're going to we're going to go pick up this new movie that my kids have been wanting to see, and we're going to take it home and we're going to watch it. And I'm going to do what love language? Quality time. Quality time. It's giving gifts. It's probably going to be physical touch, too, because you're sitting on the couch. You're going to snuggle on the couch. Yep. Acts of service. Yep, because I'm going to pop popcorn for him. I'm going to bring it in. And then while we're sitting there, I'm going to say, oh, you oh, picked out such a good movie. Yeah, you always do. You can hit all five of those with this one activity that you'll do. And if you have more than one child, by doing all of those, then you can be sure that you're, you're helping to fill all of their emotional tanks somewhat. So you can go on a picnic. If you go on a picnic, what love language are you speaking? It's quality time again. Is quality time your love language? Yes. <laughs> Do you see that right there? Because that's what we look for. Because that's what says. I was thinking about giving rocks. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to go on a picnic and you're going to walk along and you're going you're gonna to find some pretty rocks. And then you're going to, you know... Boys, I don't know that girls do this so much, but I guess I did, but I was a tomboy. I would save rocks in my pocket, or if I found a really smooth stick, oh, the stick is so smooth. Oh, my goodness. If I'm in the creek and there's like, it just doesn't matter. That was just kind of the, you know what I mean? So acts of service, oh, because mom picked up all of this stuff and we're going to go on this picnic and we're going to spend quality time together and um, it's gifts because we're, we're going to walk along and I'm going to have this rock that I'm going to keep until I go off to college and then we're going to have this conversation <laughs> words of affirmation because it's going to be like wow this is so you know we're going to go fishing there's all of these every event that we do as parents, go into the grocery store. You know, um, we used to do, which Andrew was homeschooled, but we would do um, math lessons. Sometimes we would do reading lessons because I would make, to, he if he wanted something, I would be like, okay, you have to read, pick easy stuff because hello, some of the ingredients are crazy. But I would be like, okay, well, if you want that, you're gonna have to read to me what the front of the carton says. 
And so then, you know, he's going to read to me all of the things off the, so now I'm spending quality time. I'm also getting in, you know, a little, a little math or English or whatever, you know, you just, you, you creatively educate, but the quality time and the gifts and the words of affirmation of, oh, you did a good job. That's always the, that's always the brand of ketchup that we get. Good job picking that out. Um, or, oh, you found a coupon in the aisle. I don't know. Do they still do that anymore? You I don't feel... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 That one in that one machine. Oh, yeah, in the kiosk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then as you're going down, of course, you're like, you know, you've got them on the cart in front of you, and you let them stand there, and then, you know, you've got your arms wrapped around them, and so you've got that physical touch in there. You can honestly make every event in your life almost touch several of the love languages. But do you know what has to happen for us to have that mentality? We have to have a mentality that our emotional love tank is full. That our emotional tank is full. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes we just have to fake it. Because we're the adults. So sometimes we just got to own up and say, you know what? I've had a terrible day, things have not gone right, I can't believe my boss said this, I can't believe such and such happened, I can't believe the traffic on Maple Avenue, which is kind of crazy to say it. But you've got all of these things in your life that might not be going right. But I'll tell you what is going right. If you've got kids in your world, even if they don't live in your home, if you've got kids in your world, you are blessed. If you're a part of the Anchor Church, you are blessed. We have the best of the best. I know I'm getting emotional and maybe even ready to cry. I, I don't normally just cry. cry. Like, I miss my son right now. Oh, see, that's yeah. awesome. I, I, I'm an emotional wreck when it comes to him. Yeah, because you want to be a good dad. Yeah, I'm going to be the best dad. That's right. It makes the I difference. Had a good dad, so I want to yeah. try to own up. You know, I love be, that. Be what my dad was. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And here's the deal: even if we didn't have the best dad or the best mom, we get to choose. Brother Doug White has this great saying, and um, he's a phenomenal, one of the best preachers in the history of ever, in my opinion. His childhood was horrid. And God saved him from some crazy, awful circumstances. And he says, you know, you're, as a kid, you're not responsible for what the adults bring into your world. Mm-hmm. But when you are the adult, you are 100% responsible mm-hmm. to yeah. fix it and make it right. Mm-hmm. And God gives us places like the Anchor Church that we can come in and be like, you know what? My parents may not have done everything right, and I certainly haven't done everything right. But today is a new day Amen. covered in his mercy. Every new day benefits, loads. Daily he loadeth us with benefits. So many things that we have access to through prayer, through the word, through studying to become that person that God created us to be. We are all, not just our children, we're all on a journey to be the best version of us that there is. 
And that's really what this whole series is about, excellence. Don't you want a life of excellence? I want a life of excellence. Excellence in my relationships, excellence in my relationship with him. Because if this is right, people, everything here is right. If all is right between me and my heavenly father, if I'm doing my best to have daily prayer time and I'm reading his word and I'm saying, God, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm trying and help me with today. And then everything here just flows out better. My relationship with you gets better because my relationship with him is intentional. And my relationship with the people that I walk by. Have you ever walked by somebody, I know this has happened to you, walked by somebody and they're saying, you're always smiling, why are you always smiling? It's the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've had people just in the store say to me, well, you sure look happy. You're like, God's been good to me. Amen. You know? And then if they, if, they, um, if they bite on that, then I'll say, oh, I go over here to the anchor church. Have you heard of the anchor? You know what I mean? And if they don't, it's Okay. But God has been good to me. I want everybody to have this. I want everybody to have access to what I have access to. God died for everybody that I come in contact with, even that person that cut me off in traffic. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.